Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 122, Airman Certification Standards Goes Live, and Climb Gradients coming up in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Sean Moody, Eric Crump, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Welcome to Stuck Mike Avcast. I'm Carl Valeri. I'll be your host today. And uh, I'm joined by uh, my, some of my favorite av geeks here, Rick Felty, Victoria Newville, Larry Overstreet, Russ Wasleski, and Tom Frick. That's easy for me to say. It's a whole crew here talking aviation. And we have had a wonderful time discussing before we came on uh, something that's really interesting about to happen. As a matter of fact, if you're listening to this when this gets published, it's actually today when the Airman Certification Standards go into effect. Hey, guys. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Yo. Yo. Hey, uh, here. Hey, everybody. Hello, yeah, we're all <laughs> muted. Well, yeah. Everybody's <laughs> muted. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just uh, don't turn off the, the minds. Just, uh, you know, you can mute the, the microphones. But uh, sorry, I ran that by you that quick. But there are some really cool things that are, that are happening out there in the aviation world. Let's do the pre-flight. By the way, we're going to start... Uh, we do have an interview coming up. I wanted to announce this real quickly. Ben Sclair is a really ni- nice guy. He a uh, super terrific fellow. And when I met him, I didn't realize uh, who he was, but he publishes a thing called the Geminal Aviation News, GeminalAviationNews.com. And he also has this incredible newsletter. He's agreed to come on the show, so we're going to have him uh, for an interview on an upcoming show. We've also talked to him about streaming his news, because I think he has some really cool uh, news features and general aviation news. So look for a new, it's not there yet, but look for a new tab on the website, Stuck Mike Avcast, and that'll be a news tab. So going on to uh, announcements, where uh, the first announcement we have is actually for the Vero Beach Air Show. The Vero Beach Air Show is coming up soon in about uh, 10 days, if you listen to this when it comes out, the 25th through the 26th. The cool thing about it, and the reason I'm mentioning it, we, we try to mention a few air shows, as many as we can. Uh, we're also going to have a link uh, in, the, in the future as far as what events are out there. It's probably going to be a link to a service that does that, uh, has all events that are happening in your area. But the Blue Angels are returning to the Vero Beach Air Show. Now, that's really special for me because it's right across the state, and I get to go check them out. So I'm hopefully going to be there at the Vero Beach Air Show that's going on June 25th through 26th. I think another announcement. Larry, did you mention that there's another big air show happening somewhere? Up, you know, tonight uh, Tonight, my uh, appearance on the show is sponsored by the number of 40, uh, just like on Sesame Street back in the old days, because 40 is the number of days that are left until opening day at EAA Oshkosh. <laughs> EAA Oshkosh. And I think uh, I'm probably the only one that hasn't been there, right? I think we all have been there. We need to drag you up there sometime, I, Carl. Yes. And, you know, this is going to be embarrassing, but what are the dates again? Could you... Let's see. The so date. It's the last week the of 20, July. I believe it's the 25th through the 31st this year. 25th through the 31st. I'm going to have to look at my calendar. I took a lot of days off next uh, month and the month after, so hopefully I'll, I'll make it up there. A lot of folks have been asking, uh, why haven't you been there yet? And I'm going to have to really, really, uh, maybe I'll call in sick. I hope my people at work aren't listening right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, the other, um, and, and by the way, that, that's Oshkosh, which is uh, Air Venture, which is, a huge, huge experience, uh, not just air show, but an amazing experience. I have no clue because I haven't been there, but I've had a lot of people that have described it to me. So we will definitely have one person remote uh, at Oshkosh, and that will be Larry. And uh, anybody else who's going over there, we are going to set up a remote there and hopefully have, have uh, the Stuck Mike T-shirts on while we're there. I have to get those out to everybody. Um, moving on to the next announcement, I have um, – well, it's actually – uh, gosh, there's a, a congratulations, I guess, to uh, some folks over at Polk State College. I, I, we had mentioned this before that uh, some they were actually 
given jobs, or I should say they apply for jobs at uh, Expressjet Airlines, which is partnering with Polk State. And a big congratulations to them. They were presented with their T-shirts and everything and says, you know, I'm hired. So what a, what a cool thing to be wearing that T-shirt while they're walking around the, the school. So congratulations there and great shout-out there. By the way, is anybody else, if anybody else has shout-outs, please let me know. Uh, and also if you, the listener, has a shout-out, you know, definitely let, email us and let us know if there's any special event or any shout-out you'd like to, uh, like to mention there. <clears throat> Anyway, the uh, moving on after the shout-outs, I had one thing that I did promise to do and I didn't do on the last show, and that is uh, I forgot to review uh, the Glime CFI renewal. Now, uh, Russ and now Tom, you just got yours. Russ, did you have you done a renewal yet? Uh, I have renewed, but not through uh, one of the uh, online methods now. Okay, so you did it through experience and yeah, through activity. activity. Yeah. Okay, sure. Uh, the it's interesting because there's so many different ways we can renew, and there's you know we've gone over that in the past. Uh, I like to try all the different types of renewal services, and um, the I, I always like to say there's one for everybody. They're all a little different. Uh, the Glime is more, and in general, Glime is more text-based, and it's a lot of reading, and it's not quite as interactive, and there's not as many, um, how should I say, pictures involved. So for someone like myself, uh, I like pictures, and I like to see things, and I like to have a lot of uh, different things in front of me, that, and you know, things that are exciting, watching videos. This was not that. Uh, I'm not saying it, it, it probably wouldn't be the best thing for me, but it, it probably is good for, for somebody who, who prefers that. I did like their format where they made you take a test beforehand, a little quiz, I should say, a quiz to see how you, you know, understood the material before you started the test, or I should say the class. You took the class, and then after you take the class, you take the quiz. That's the required quiz for that. It's uh, all these different sections. It also enables you to get your TSA requirement for your security if you work for a flight school or you are your own flight school. And that's really important to get that done and have that all signed off. The one thing with Glime and with a lot of the other uh, online services is that they can actually uh, sign you off for a, a class or a credit, I should say, in the WINGS program. So after I'd completed this whole course, which was, like I said, a little more text-based, um, maybe my experience may have been uh, skewed a little bit because I was up against the date in, of my renewal, so I had to get it done. So maybe I wasn't enjoying it as much because I was like, oh, my God, i got to get this done. i got to get this done or else my CFI is going to expire. I made it under the wire by like five days or something like that. So my advice is don't do that. Try to start renewal early. Uh, then after the process was complete and I uh, the, the online ordering, uh, the online uh, renewal process and the online application for your temporary certificate was awesome. Everything there was great. So hats off to Glime on that one. If, uh, if you're somebody who loves videos and all, you're not going to get that here. But if you're somebody who likes to read a lot, this is a perfect course for you. One other thing, though. I'd have to mention, and I'm not gonna. I don't want to, you know, <laughs> hold them to this this standard right now. But you can actually ask them to uh, give you the credit for the wings, and I did that. And actually, I never got the credit when I put my application in. And then I realized what the problem was: is my email was different, separate than the email I used when I signed on to the Glide product. So. Actually, what you can do is you can use that certificate that's given, and this isn't just Glime, but just in general, any of these renewals, and take that, and you can actually send that in to your whoever it is that signs you off on your FA wings, because you know this is credit for the wings, and they can actually credit you there. As a matter of fact, Tom Frick, Tom, I'm not sure if you got my email yet, but I sent it to you today. I am hitting the submit button as we speak. Ah, you're approving it as we speak. This is live. This is really cool. This is exciting. So soon I will have all of the credits I need for the for the basic level of the wings that I was working on. So this I, is this is cool. I just hit the submit button. Let's see what happens. Oh, all right. Man. It says valid accredited activity validation. Awesome. 
So I, you know, thanks, Tom. And and what Tom's doing right now, and this is kind of cool that we're doing this, is he is an instructor, and Tom has actually gone up with me and uh, helped me, like we talked about before, renew uh, or get my next level of wings. And he's actually just validating what I did. Now, how does he know I did that? Well, I have I sent him a PDF file with my certification and with my my course and my graduation certificate. So thanks a lot, Tom, for doing that. And if you're a flight instructor and you're listening right now and wondering how would I do this, how do I help people get their wings, et cetera, or you're saying, hey, I have no clue about this program, do me a favor and just go uh, and shoot me an email. I have a lot of information on expertaviator.com about the whole FA safety program, but please send me an email and I will explain how you can do that and how you can do that for your, your students. Tom, how was the, how was, uh, the process there? Did, was it pretty easy to, to go in and, and uh, as a flight, uh, from the flight instructor perspective, how was the process of actually validating someone's credits? Oh, it's, it's, there's a, it's a very short validation process and, and basically it's just logging into your account at faasafety.gov. And it, it alerts you that you have uh, um, credits that need to be validated and you just – it's a quick link and you go through and you check it out and you have the choice of yay or nay and, and off you go. It's, cool. It's literally – it's one radial button and, and a submit button. Because so, this is a question I get often. That's why – and Tom, he really he – didn't, he didn't really know much about the program. Then it came on and lo and behold, he's been working his butt off in the program and helping out a lot. He came up to speed rather quickly. And it really isn't that difficult. And if you have questions, you can always ask Tom also, you know, as far as, uh, you know, how to get into the safety program website, et cetera, fasafety.gov. And we're going to mention that again because one of the topics we're going to talk about this evening has to do with a course on fasafety.gov, and it's a really, really good course that I just finished taking. So uh, anyway, so that's the announcements there. Um, before we get into our topics, I really want to read this uh, read this email, and it's uh, from uh, an individual who's who's been a listener here for just a little while. So uh, let, me, let me go ahead on to this email and I'll read it here. It says, it's, it's directed to me, but it's for everybody. It says, hi, Carl. First, I would like to congratulate you, Rick, Victoria, Tom, and all the other co-hosters of the Stuck Mike Avcast. I started listening to you last year, and I'm just about finished listening to all the episodes. Now, I know about Len, Victoria's Progress in Aviation, and that you... Uh, and that you have uh, ear issues. <laughs> Sorry teasing you, but I couldn't avoid it. Thanks. Uh, today I'm listening to episode number eight. I started from the end, so I just have more than f- more f- five more episodes to listen to. Uh, I've already listened to number one and two in the past. Here's about my background. I started late in aviation, and you know, I'm not the first and I'm not going to be the last one. I got my private pilot check in 2014, and my goal is to be a CFI here in Brazil. Since I started late, I decided to keep my lack of experience reading and learning about aviation. And it's been been a great journey. Stuck Mike Avcast is helping me a lot. You introduced me you introduced me to a lot of good material. I'm also taking some MOOC for free on at Emory Riddle, online courses at Emory Riddle. Nowadays I'm studying more than flying, but it's also good and I don't regret Every moment, I'm grounded studying. Last month, I got my first money from aviation. I helped a couple of young pilot students who were studying for the written test, and they paid me. And I'm not a captain, (laughs) but I'm sure I'm proud, as if I was a captain of a 747. Last year, I helped Polk State Flight Team. It was a teeny help, but I was proud of, of their performance. By the way, that, that was thanks so much for doing that. If you're looking to to give or donate to the Polk State Flight Team, of course, I'm the coach of that flight team. You can go out to the Stuck Mike Avcast. You'll see the Polk State Flight Team in the in the sidebar there. It's a team that's funded only by our donations, and that's uh, we don't get money from the school for that. Uh, continuing on, he says, I also love the books you share through Stuck Mike Avcast. I was able to buy two and read one. I also gave one children's book, The Day I Learned to Fly, to a friend in the United States. His kids love the book, so thanks. Now I have to save money for my flying hours, buy books, and help our local flying club. I hope I could also help a museum, but here in Brazil, we only have one, and it's going to be closed in the near future. Too bad. Well, that is too bad. And here's my favorite part of what I have already listened to in the podcast. One day you talked about your first airplane. Oh, gosh, this is, I just realized what he's talking about here. One day you talked about your first airplane. It was a toy. 
That day I tried hard to remember my toys, and I was surprised to remember that I had so, many, so much pleasure with my small airplanes. And what was really amazing was that I didn't think about those moments for a long time. But to be honest, I don't remember thinking about them after my childhood. After more than 25 years, I'm 40 now, after a long time not thinking about them, I had a great joy remembering those moments, which were forgotten for an unknown reason. Thank you so much, Carl. I saw your Facebook picture with your first airplane. I don't have the same toy, but I remember a friend of mine who had that one. I was going to wait to finish listening to all the episodes before sending you an email, but I couldn't wait anymore. Had to thank you and the Stuck Mike Avcast team. You're doing a great job. Thanks again. See you all next episode and safe flying. Well, thanks so much for that email, guys. That was that was really really cool. And uh, and he's from Brazil, obviously, and he is really passionate about aviation. It's it's cool that we're able to instill that passion by just listening to Stuck Mike Avcast, and obviously he listens to some others looking looking at a, a career or, or making more money in in aviation. And a big, uh, I'd say a big hats off to making it through all those episodes. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I don't think you know dedication, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much Amen. for hanging in there. They weren't all perfect. No, but they <laughs> easily. But they're a lot of fun. Yeah, they're definitely a lot of fun. So, and, thank you uh, very much for those kind words. Yeah, you know the the toy that he's talking about. I don't know if you remember this. I'm not sure. I put it on Stuck Mike, but the the first uh, toy I had. Obviously, he knows it through Stuck Mike, but it was a Fisher Price. Do you remember those airplanes? Uh, you know, the little Fisher Price people and the yeah. little 747. It sang was, a song, right? And I don't know. Well, the, the, one, the one I bought two or three years ago did. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, mine wasn't that sophisticated. Okay. I don't think Toys things are. Yeah, yeah, they didn't sing. They have songs, batteries these days. Oh, yeah. batteries. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had like five channels on TV back when I had this. So nice. it's really, it wasn't. Uh, there were, and, and they just started uh, sending people off to the, the moon. So the, really, yeah, the Fisher Price one is the one you're talking about where like the cabin opens up like hinges right. yep, and the little people hinge. are on there. Yeah. That, so cool. you have that. That's so cool. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we, well, we did. It's here somewhere. <laughs> well, take a picture. We'd okay, love to sure. put that on the, on the Facebook page. Oh, yeah. Stuff okay. Like Avcast. And if you have cool pictures of the toys you used to play with when you were a kid, you know, go out to the uh, Facebook page, Stuck Mike Avcast, and put them out there. You know, those things that inspired you. I, I got so much inspiration from that. And also, I had, it's funny because I had the plane and a submarine. The submarine broke. So that's probably why I didn't go to the Navy and I got into airplanes. That's my whole psychological analysis of that. But anyway, <laughs> the, uh, but anyway, thanks again. If you have a, a really inspirational story like his, you know, please write in. Um, and, uh, and he did a, a great job explaining this, uh, his, his experience. And he's, oh, by the way, he also wanted to mention he's at 70 hours right now as a private pilot. So keep moving forward. I, I know you'll, you'll make it through all the rest of the ratings that you want to, and you'll, you'll make it to your, your goal in aviation, whatever that may be. So, uh, I think that was it for the, anybody else have, uh, shout outs and also announcements or any other topics? Cause we're going to move on to our first one here. Now entering cruise flight. And that's the airman certification standards. As of, uh, today, if you're listening to this, when it comes out, uh, the 15th of June, the new airman certification standards are live. And, uh, you know, we talked about this in, a, in an episode before, the Airman Certification Standards, and what is ACS. As a matter of fact, the person who talked about it was Eric Crump. And the reason that Eric Crump is not here today is he's in front of an audience right now trying to explain Airman Certification Standards. And if you remember uh, that Eric was very much involved with the prototyping process uh, within the Airman Certification Standards. So um, I really highly encourage you to go out there and check out ACS and Airman Certification Standards. Download the new ACS. It replaces the PTS for both the private and the instrument are out now. They're uh, working on the commercial, and uh, they, they're doing a, a really great job, I feel. And I think there's some some really key takeaways here, and uh, for both, you know, everybody, for the person who's applying, uh, and also for the instructor, uh, who is actually the person involved in teaching this? It really has, you know, the old PTS. There was, I felt, a lot in there that some extraneous material. And I think the the one thing that's explained is, you know, uh, what is the height of blowing snow? That type of thing. I mean, what what you know? Gosh, I looked that up. That doesn't seem really relevant uh, towards the testing process. But the new. 
PTS, or I should say ACS. I'm going to keep saying PTS. I know it. Uh, the new Airman Certification Standards gets a you know it, it ties things together, and it gets rid of a lot of that extraneous uh, stuff that we had in the PTS before. All the extraneous uh, information. It's it's amazing, and uh, it's it's much. And, and I know Russ, you want to say a couple things about it, but I think one of the things that I really like about it is the fact that. Uh, it has all these uh, different elements that are in there. That's one of my favorite things is the fact that things are broken down and everything is really, uh, really, you know, defined clearly in as far as what the what the actual task is, how it relates, and where I can find the information. So that's that's the part I like the most is that you knew exactly where to look before you were given a reference, but. Gosh, you really had a tough time trying to find that. Not and this now, this ACS is tied, you know, directly to a question over there in the written exam. So it's really it's neat that those two are tied together. Uh, you uh, unfortunately at this point, uh, you know, if you go on and you take your exam, uh, your written exam, it doesn't tie directly because that that whole piece of it hasn't been completed. The actual ability to print out each of the different items that are on the ACS, but the the elements and everything will be eventually put into place. But at the, the point where they are now, they're trying to uh, actually finalize the contractor that's actually going to do the work to be able to have the written exam point to the, the ACS. Uh, Russ, I don't want to take away any of the thunder, but what was your favorite part about the, the whole ACS and, and what did you think was the best? Well, I, I like it just because it's it's just so much clearer than than the PTS has been in the past, and of course the whole I guess initiative was to kind of combine some of the uh, well the knowledge test requirements, the oral exam portion of the check ride into there, and make it all one big document. I'm looking, you know, I look through it, and and it's so much clearer, and I think easier to follow. The one thing it However, since they're all together, everything looks a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it looks like, oh my goodness, this is this is a monster. But it's not really any different than uh, than it was in the past. In fact, as far as the flying portion goes, I don't see any changes at all in either the private or the instrument ride. And uh, I I know that's kind of what uh, Eric Crump said when we interviewed him. Uh, I don't see any changes of standards or the activities or anything like that. But what it does have is a lot of text on the the oral part before the the flight uh, portion of the check ride and goes in detail what you're expected to know and actually has a little clause in there which I, I like because there was always there was always the question in people's mind do I have to know do I have to be able to talk about every single one of these things during this check ride it's going to last forever well it's very clear that the examiner just has to ask at least one so not necessarily all of the topics in each task. So weather information, you're going to be expected to be able to talk about any one of a number of things, but you're not going to have to talk about every possible weather issue, atmosphere, wind, temperature, moisture, you know, it, it goes down the list. So I think that's useful that they, they kind of clarified that. Um, I, I look forward to when the knowledge test uh, codes, like you mentioned, are kind of paired up and, and that's all resolved. And, and I, think, I think it'll be a lot clearer and a lot easier to, to follow from now on out. Yeah, the, it's interesting what you just said there. It's it's kind of funny. The uh, one of the things that I, when I first looked at it, uh, I was kind of surprised. I think you may have been too, and said to myself, "This will take forever to go through the check ride." But, but yeah, what exactly. You just mentioned exactly. It's a really important point. I think another tie-in to that point. I I forget uh, who's ACS or ASF three. I can't remember her name. But anyway, she had mentioned uh, that there's the ability with this ACS to go through a question, like you said, and pick one out. They don't have to go through all of them. But it also gives – I'm not sure uh, how to put this. It gives the, the examiner a little more leeway. So, for instance, if they ask you a question, they don't feel like – they don't feel real comfortable with your answer. It wasn't wrong, but, you know, it's just, you know, maybe the person doesn't have the knowledge that they thought you might have or whatever. It, it's kind of fairly well dev- defined where they can move into other sections that kind of relate to that same topic. And then the examiner can ask a question in this other portion of say, okay, yeah, you you know your your information. Uh, maybe the ability to explain that one wasn't wasn't that great, but they can actually move through it a little bit better there. So I think that's that's another cool thing about the ACS. Um, the one the one thing that I and I'd like to know from Russ because you you're out there and also Tom um, as far as getting the information out to the current instructors. Uh, I'm curious as to 
how you feel the process has been, you, the instructor that's out there every day. And I guess I'll start with you, Russ. What, what have you felt as far as this coming experience that's about to happen today? What you mean, like getting notified yes. about it mm-hmm. and that kind of thing? I, I don't, I'm probably not a real good uh, test case for that since, uh, you know, we're involved in this podcast and, and everything. And I, you know, on you know, Facebook or something. So I've gotten notified uh, probably a hundred different ways about this. Uh, Tom, is kind of similar for you or, or what do you think? Yeah, I think it's the same way. I mean, I'm being privy to this podcast and, and some of the information that I get haven't listened to Eric, you know, and I, I know that when we talked to Eric about this, he was he was like they were trying to find every avenue they could ad nauseum to to get the word out that this is coming. And and I, too, I've gotten emails from several different sources, you know, but being privy to this, I've been the one that's been, you know, tooting the horn. And I've been telling other CFIs, everybody that I talk to, hey, you know, it's coming, you know, it's coming. Right. And and that's kind of what's uh, garnered the discussions. You know, so as far as notification, that's that's been my experience so far. So I, I guess the the better question would have been through your experiences with the other instructors. Uh, do you feel that they've had a, a lot of knowledge, some knowledge, none at all, as far as what ACS is and and when it's coming down the pike? I'm just kind of curious to get a feeling. Uh, I think I would say some, some. You know? Yeah, I, w- I would say some knowledge. You know, there was um, several that I've talked to that that were aware of it and knew it was coming. Um, I don't know how um, up to date uh, they were at that point. Um, you know, when we're all just kind of, you know, it, it's ultimately going to play out like, how is this going to affect my style of teaching, what, what the way I teach my students and what I need to prepare them for. And that ultimately is going to come to how the DPEs and, and examiners react and that if they start changing the way that they're doing um, practical tests, you know. Right. And, and, and I, I, how I was um, able to talk to one DPE. He lives in another area. I happened to meet him out on my ramp and uh, – through conversation, I figured out that he was a DPE, and um, I specifically asked him, and he, and he happened to be in the Tampa Bay area because they were being briefed on what they need to do and what the changes are that they can expect. And and from his point of view, he said that it was going to be, um, you know, the onus was more on them to uh, go back and redo all of their plans of action so that they they can go through and take care of this thing. And it remains to be seen how it's going to affect us as um, as instructors. But I agree with what Ross was saying. I didn't see anything that was quote unquote significantly different. I just think it's structured better and and gives a a better opportunity to gain information, especially if there's a deficiency right and and I think it's interesting too that um I guess the examiner that you spoke to feels that way because there's i think there's an onus on everybody here to to make sure that we teach towards towards the the a c s but but I really don't you know after looking through it myself and like you have. I don't see much of a difference. I mean, you're, you're teaching you know, towards the exam somewhat, uh, but you have a more defined exam and more defined, uh, you know, statement and code that's anchored to something, and it's not just reference to some, you know, different what do they call them, learning uh, statements or learning statement codes that they have to get today. It's actually a specific place that I can go to and and actually reference that material. The one thing I'm curious about, though, and I'm wondering if if anybody else knows this. Because uh, I hadn't had time to research it before this podcast, so if you're listening, you know, please let me know. There's also references within the handbooks, you know, all the H series, and I'm wondering uh, either you know Russ, Tom, or anybody else if if you've seen any uh, of those references towards those handbooks and any correlations. Because I know that's the other thing was the ability to go through and and kind of clean up the the ties towards the actual uh, subject matter that's in those handbooks. Uh, Russ, have you seen any of that, or have you looked into that at all? Well, each task has its uh, the the references to it. Right, come from is, is that what you're getting? Well, at? actually, uh, I'm, because the the H the H you know the handbooks are all right. kind of being re, re or portions of it, I should say, are being rewritten towards uh, the new ACS. And I, I'm wondering if I I haven't seen any of that come down where where it's more reflective of of you know because of this whole new process, they looked at everything and realized that there's also some things they need to update in the handbooks. So I was just curious if anybody was involved with that at all or had seen any of that. Uh, but I'm kind of getting the feeling that we haven't yeah. yet. So that'll be interesting when that comes down, because that's another, you know, important point and portion of this is is being able to to make a direct contact into a manual, into a handbook, uh, which we pretty much can do now. But it's it's tied down a little bit more, just like you said. They they pretty much clarify everything. So um, as far as the ACS is concerned, 
I don't know if, uh, if Russ or Tom got a chance, but I actually was able to take that course. Did you guys take the course, the online course for ACS? I'm going to say no since I have not. Crickets? No. Okay. Um, so, I, haven't, I have it up and, and, and have looked at it, and um, I'm going to take it. I mean, it says it only takes 20 minutes. I haven't, I haven't gotten to actually take it yet. You know, you, you really it, – it's a good course. It has a, a printable you know, product afterwards. It kind of gives you uh, – it's more of an overview, and I think uh, everybody who's looking towards getting a rating – Anybody who's teaching towards the rating, and obviously DPs will want to read this, but it's a, it's a, what it did for me is it gave me that, oh, okay, now I understand. This is why you're doing that. And, and a lot of what I hear when I'm doing like the safety meetings or I'm doing a lecturing is, you know, why are we doing this? And, uh, you know, if through the examples that they have that are within the course, they do a great job of solidifying that that reasoning towards why they came up with the ACS through giving some very rock solid examples like the one I just used about you know what is the height of blowing sand uh, do we really need to know that no so let's take that out of there so those are the type of things is that good to know information or interesting to know yeah it is interesting but do we need to examine that no we don't need to examine that so it's become a little bit more reasonable so I think that's that's pretty cool stuff so uh, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to hear what people have to say uh, about that in the future. So uh, anyway, ACS, it's here. Uh, congratulations. It's uh, day one when this uh, this show comes out. And I'm I'm really excited to to actually start uh, helping people move forward uh, in getting ready for their, their check rides. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't get to do much flight instructing, but I do get to do uh, some ground and simulator stuff. So that's that's been pretty cool to to get people ready for the exams. And I do like this this new format. Can anyway. you clarify? Is it for all ratings? It will be eventually. Okay. Right now, I think I read it was just private and instrument. That right, right. Changes. Correct. It's it's already it's this is the implementation the one that we're announcing today is just the implementation of the private and the instrument. Uh, just <laughs> it's only the private and the instrument which is what most people get. So let me rephrase it. You know, it's for the private and the instrument. Boy, oh boy, that's going to be a big big impact on everybody out there. So so make sure you get your information. It's just the private instrument. That's kind of funny. I said that, but anyway, that's it's out there today. Um, and start using it. And like Russ and and uh, Thomas said, it's not it, it's there's not much change. It's much uh, greater clarity. So I think that's really cool. So. Anyway, let's move on to uh, – Is anybody else have comments on that before I move on? I think we've done that. Uh, go to – by the way, uh, one more thing we got to mention, episode 116. Uh, that was the episode where uh, Eric Crump was involved in explaining ACS, and I know a lot of people have downloaded that. Uh, one of our more popular episodes because he did a, a really good job of explaining what ACS is and why they're doing it uh, because he was so involved in the whole process. Uh, so – Anyway, Russ and I were having a discussion um, offline here about uh, departure climb gradient and uh, calculating your, your rate of climb. And uh, I know uh, <clears throat> Russ knows a, a few things about this, and uh, he, he's uh, been involved in the process in the past of, of understanding this and even implementing it. Uh, but I had a discussion on uh, my website, expertaviator.com, about this is back in February of 2011, uh, discussed the departure procedure climb gradient and also uh, calculating your rate of climb. But before we get into that whole discussion, let me back up and, and tell you why I did that and still why it's relevant and something that we need to talk about. Uh, for those of us that like to fly IFR and like to do it safely, we have to realize that uh, you know when we depart IFR, uh, we need to climb and remain clear of all obstacles. And to do that, there's a predefined climb gradient that keeps us away from those obstacles. And that's something that uh, there's actually – it's defined uh, in one of two different manners. And that's uh, – I have a couple really interesting images that I took from uh, – well, I think it was an instrument flying handbook. And it talks about the climb gradient. So – just one of the things you have to keep in mind before you go flying as an instrument pilot and before you take off is I need to make sure that I keep safe and I want to be able to climb from where I am to my cruising altitude. So, for instance, you know, at work, I, you know, do departure procedures, uh, instrument departure procedures all the time. 
And I'm always looking at those saying to myself, how is it that I'm going to keep myself safe on my departure? You know, I, I work for a, a 121 carrier, so we have two engines. And we also have not just the departure procedure, but in many cases, because I fly in the mountains in certain areas, I have s- special single engine departure procedures. So not only do I have to keep in mind all these different procedures and which way to turn and what to do, I also have to think about the other side of the procedure, and that's the single engine procedure. But most importantly, though, is trying to figure out you know, how I'm going to keep myself in this climb. Uh, and I know, Russ, you, you got a, a chance to actually take a peek at this, and this is some, some basic stuff that we're, we're going over here as far as the climb. But I think, I don't know if you agree, but I think the basics is, is really, really important. That's why I'm kind of stressing this right now. Um, and, uh, well, it is, it is really very important. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of instrument training, you know, we focus so much on approach procedures and drill and approach, approach, approach after approach, right? <laughs> and we, depending on where you live, you might not even really get into departure procedures. I did my instrument training in southeast Virginia you know, 10 feet above sea level or something. We didn't have any mountains or anything in the way. So if my instructor at the time even told me about departure procedures, I, I don't remember it. <laughs> you know? right. We certainly didn't, weren't able to really drill on it very effectively. Um, but, but yeah, you have, do have this expectation of a, uh, of a continual climb off the runway. And this is what, Carl, you put in, the, in your article there on the expertaviator.com. And the expectation is a 200 feet per mile climb gradient uh, for all airplanes. Now, we don't usually think about climb in terms of feet per mile, right? We think about feet per minute, what we see on our VSI. But here we're talking about feet per mile, which makes sense because the, the obstacles, you know, the mountains and stuff, they aren't moving. They're a, <laughs> they're a certain uh, <laughs> <Both> distance <laughs> and height away. So, so what we're focusing on is maintaining at least this 200 feet per mile Unless it's stated to be a larger number required for obstacles. And there are many, many cases of that. But you go ahead and, and you, you had laid out kind of a way to, to calculate that. And, you know, given your example of 200 feet per mile and such. And, and uh, if you wanted to go ahead and talk about that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And I'm glad you get, gave me that little segue there is that it's sure. the, the fact that, um, you know, you, you talked about the 200 feet per nautical mile. That's a standard. Is that 200 feet per nautical mile? Obviously, it might be more than that. So if you're flying, and, and this is some simple math, but it's something that I don't, I don't care who you are and what you fly, you need to be able to do this type of math, is to figure out from your 200 foot per nautical mile what your, what your actual rate of climb should be. Uh, there's so many charts that are out there in your, your AFM. There's all these computers that can figure that out for us. But I personally, and I do this flying jets or whatever, I love to do the simple math and always have it in my head because that's my backup and it makes me feel safe. Uh, when everything else goes away, at least I have this. Now, how do we figure it? Well, if say you have a 200 foot per nautical mile, and that's the requirement for your climb gradient. Well, say you have a ground speed, ground speed of 90 knots. Of course, you're going to have to calculate that based on your airspeed and also the winds. So you have a ground speed of 90 knots. Then your rate of climb is going to be 300 feet per minute. Well, how did I figure that out? How did I get to 300 feet per minute? Well, it's really, it's really simple. Uh, remember always, and this is something I, I like to do no matter what, because I change from one plane to the next. I always like to figure out how many nautical miles per minute I'm going. So with the 90 nautical miles per hour, we just divide that by 60. No matter what you're doing, you divide by 60. And you can figure out that you're doing, say, if you divide by 60 to 90, that's one and a half nautical miles per minute. So now you have to have this climb gradient of 200 nautical miles, nautical, 200 feet per nautical mile, excuse me, 200 feet per nautical mile. Well, simply just multiply 1.5 nautical miles per minute by 200, and that's how you come up with the 300. That sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? You know, and that it's, uh, but it's math that I don't, I don't know about what the rest of the hosts do, but I'm, I don't do math that often, but this is one of the things, uh, other than my descent gradients and all, my three-degree slopes. Those are things I like to do the math in my head, and I'm doing math even 
with an airplane that has all this electronics in it, I always do that math in my head. So um, what if, um, well, let's say you're just not great at math, though. You know, what if you just can't figure that out? Well, another way to do it is obviously from your, your you know, a flight manual. But uh, there's also some charts out there. You can pull them uh, from your from your flight manual. Also, you can get some out of, uh, you know, the, the TERPs. You can find them, uh, terminal procedure, I should say. You can look in there. Uh, your AFDs, you know, they be able to get there. You also have it uh, within. Uh, there was one. Um, I can't remember the other source that I found it, but there's there's instrument takeoff and approach procedure charts. It has the rate of climb and descent tables, and it's what's really cool about this is that in there you can figure out you, what your feet per nautical mile is and your ground speed is. You have those two, and then all you have to do is just like any chart, you meet them in the middle, and uh, and then you figure out what that rate of climb is. It's real that simple. The other cool thing I like about this chart, if you get a chance, uh, you know, the there's uh, it shows a descent angle and uh, a climb descent angle. Look at three degrees because that's something that you use often is three degrees. And uh, if you'll look in there, you'll see that depending on what you're flying, you know, a lot of us say you're going to need about 300 feet uh, per minute, and that's what your descent rate is going to be in a Cessna, say. And at work, we always say about 700 per, per minute and feet per minute. And you can just take that from the chart there. So it's, uh, you know, it's easy to, to look on the chart and do this interpolation. Uh, but you can also do it in your head. But uh, it's really, it's a lot of fun to get to know your airplane and, and, and know that well. So uh, there's also uh, another thing that you could use. And, and I don't know if anybody really has them. I have, we have a ginormous one uh, in the classroom. And, and Larry, what, what is that? That's the good old-fashioned E6B computer. And that'll you do know, that, the, too. The round whiz wheel. And, and how many here have one of those, by the way? Do you have one? Uh, I know. I actually I do. do. Yep. <laughs> I do. I think it's the, the greatest thing. It's like the old slide rules. I remember I had my slide rule from school, and I actually kept it. Uh, it doesn't run out of batteries, and it, uh, it really it, – it's something that's it's quite accurate. Uh, the wind thing on the back can be – you know, it's a little bit tougher, especially after a lot of use. Uh, but it's really – it never goes bad. It, it always works. It's so. cool to show people. Be yeah. like, hey, look at this fancy thing. And they're like, ooh, what does it do? <laughs> and that's when you get to say, back in the day. <laughs> right? <laughs> and it, it and Larry, how much do you actually use E6B, Larry? You know, I don't anymore, but I did use it when my wife was uh, getting uh, working on her uh, uh, solo in a Piper Cub, no less, which she did successfully. Um, but back then she was just starting to do cross-country flights. So I had a chance to break it out again and uh, work on that with her. And for anybody who's looking to to go into this as a career, you will get to know the E6B because most college programs uh, really harp on the E6B, and and you really need to understand it and how to use it. I understand calculators are so much easier, but it the it really works. It works really well. And not really, Carl. You know, try fumbling around with a calculator uh, in turbulence sometime compared to using an E6B with one hand. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I I I, I agree with that. They, uh, although I don't know, sometimes it, you know the the screen is shaking so much. Maybe I could, you know, let go of the controls and just use the E6B. But then that would be another problem, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but there's other ways. I know there's um, different climb gradients. I think Russ, you had some suggestions as far as steep climb gradients, and uh, we'll have links to all those things I just talked about. But uh, Russ, you you have a suggestion as far as steep climb gradients. Well, yeah. Well, before, I wanted to mention first, if you, if you do go to the uh, uh, expertaviator.com article that you wrote, Carl, uh, it, it's it's just kind of funny how how much things have changed since 2011. <laughs> you re, you refer to the uh, this table yeah. in the terminal procedures yeah. publication. Well, what, what's that? What it's is a paper that book? I, <laughs> I I remember one of those in a museum or something anymore, yeah. right? But but the this table is available now. I uh, I like most well, like a lot of people use ForeFlight, but it's available as one of the documents you can download through there is in the uh, digital terminal procedure supplemental. And I'm sure it's available in the, the other EFB type products as well. But so the, the table that you mentioned is, is in your hand, <laughs> you know, in there. Uh, but you, you mentioned math and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at math, but I cannot do math in the cockpit at all. I mean, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, I just can't do it. So, so you've got this table. But we're talking about departure procedures, right? Right. Well, well, we're not talking about, you know, how much time do you have to plan a departure procedure? Well, 
weeks, right? <laughs> right? You know, or, or at least hours yeah, anyway. So you can easily do this on the ground, which, which is a good thing to do, especially if you're in some more you know, mountainous places. Uh, I've, I've pulled up Montrose Regional in Colorado here, uh, surrounded by mountains. Uh, they have a standard instrument departure, a SID, called the Blue Mesa 2, which actually kind of sounds like a refreshing drink you'd have on <laughs> in, you know, the Bahamas or something. It's the Blue Mesa 2 departure. And off one of the runways, runway 35, well, they're all real high climb gradients, but runway 35 is the steepest. And it requires a minimum climb of 460 feet per mile to 11,300 feet above sea level. That's, that's enormous. Now, maybe that's no problem for you, Carl, in, in your, your fancy shiny jet there. But, right. <laughs> but, but certainly, I mean, if you're, to use your previous example, you're climbing out at 90 knots. That's a, well, let's see, calculate, calculate, right? That's a 690 feet per minute in your Cessna 172 or whatever through 11,300 feet. Now, well, that's one, one powerful Cessna 172 if it can climb at that you know, 690 feet a minute all the way up over 10,000 feet, certainly. But, okay, so that's Montrose, Colorado. It's out in the Rockies. You know, that's, that's kind of a special case. Well, what about Asheville, North Carolina? You ever been there? Oh, yeah. Anybody? I haven't. Yeah. That was really nice. That's uh, pretty. Yeah, one of their runways, the lower runway, <laughs> the lower takeoff bin runway, has a minimum climb of 310 feet per mile to 3,500 feet. So that's not as bad, and it's lower altitude, but still... 310 feet per mile is, what, about 460 feet per minute at 90 knots? Well, you know, hot day, heavily loaded, that might be pretty tricky to make. So, so obviously, your, your time to figure this out is um, when you're on the ground so you can, you know, make adjustments and, um, you know, offload fuel, offload people, baggage, wait till it's colder, you know, wait till later in the day, wait to the wind, whatever. Uh, that's the time to do this planning. And, you know, that's a great point is that you're not doing this planning going, you know, a mile and a half per minute. You're doing it sitting at a table, hopefully. Oh, yeah. And, and you're sitting there saying to yourself, can I really do this? And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that in the, the shiny jet that we could do this or not. We run into those problems a lot of times, actually. There's there's certain oh, airports sure. that, that we do. I mean, it's, it's just, uh, you know, I look at St. Thomas when I'm taking off to the east and there's this huge mountain in front of me. Uh, you know, I have to make sure I can clear that mountain and I have to have a certain climb gradient. And to get that climb gradient, we have to do a ton of calculating and that's usually based on weight. You know, how, how do we figure we're going to get above is one of the ways we can climb faster is, you know, take some weight off the airplane. We don't quite have that opportunity in the, in the 182. You know, the 182 that I was partners in, I could do that maybe to 11,000 feet, but uh, that thing was way overpowered and I had to only have like maybe one or two people in and not full tanks. But uh, that's that's a really good point. The other thing that you can do uh, is, and this is going to sound really obvious, uh, I hope it's obvious, is depart VFR and be able to climb above the obstacles in VFR conditions. Uh, that that is, and that normally would mean, I understand, it means postponing the flight uh, to another day, but. Uh, still, that would be your safest option because you really don't you don't want to bump into anything at the end of the runway. I know there's uh, one examiner that's in the Tampa Bay area that I really like, and and this was something that he stresses on all of his instrument check rides. I think everybody should. This question is, how do you know that I can climb from the ground to my airway and not hit anything? And I thought that was a great question to ask. Because it makes you think about this and, and what you need to do and what your climb gradients are. So, uh, so if you want to understand that, that basic math and some of the, uh, the things called TERPs or terminal, excuse me, the terminal procedures manual, uh, the, uh, you know, there, there's stuff out there that's, that's available for free on the Internet. It's all downloadable. Go out there and play with it. Have fun with the math. I mean, it's just a blast to be able to do this stuff. Uh, but uh, so the it's really, you know, I think it's important to know this because every so often things do fail and you do have to go through the math and you have to figure this stuff out. Uh, we'll talk a little bit maybe later because we don't really have the time in this show is talk a little bit about descents. Uh, we also have to go over um, one of the things we will have coming up in another episode is we're going to talk a little bit more about descent via because there's been a lot of stuff in the news lately with the, the FA and the recertification of certain airports and, and the descent via clearance and some confusion that that's going to apply to us as a 
as a private pilot or excuse me as an instrument pilot because of the fact that uh, they're starting to give more of those. Um, you know, I'm just curious, uh, uh, Russ and, and anybody else who's flying instruments, uh, Larry, did, have you uh, received a descent via clearance in, uh, in like a, a, a piston aircraft? I have not. No. no. I have not either. No. Interesting. Tom, have you? I have not either. No? Okay. So I, I'm just trying to, to find somebody who's actually done one. And uh, I know people that have, uh, you know, in the Northeast, I've seen a few, but they're not, they're not as, as defined for uh, or the purpose isn't really for the pistons, but it's becoming more and more. And uh, it's, I've had a few people say, yes, I have. Before it was like, I've never heard of this, and there's, I'll probably never do these. But uh, it is a great way for them to move traffic into an area in a much more expeditious manner. Uh, just same thing that we're going to see with all the RNAV arrivals that they're going to put in there, especially for for visual RNAV arrivals and very busy airspace and, uh, you know, just navigating around uh, using your GPS and your RNAV. It's, it's pretty amazing uh, some of the things that they've been talking about. Uh, hopefully we'll see that come to fruition, uh, especially, you know, in our 172s, et cetera. I know at work I've been doing a lot more uh, visual RNAV arrivals. Uh, but uh, anyway, gosh, you know, we, we kind of talked about that a lot. I, I wanted to talk about one more thing, but we're not going to do that because we're coming up on our time here. We've already been talking for about 50 minutes. This is uh, some good stuff we're going over here with instrument procedures. And I know for some of you that don't have your instrument rating, uh, you're you're sitting there thinking, well, why do I need to know this? It's actually a, a good thing to know in general uh, is your climb gradients and making sure that you know you can fly away from an area because, you know, in the United States, you don't need your instrument rating to fly at night, but it is really good to know the procedures just in case uh, something does happen. You get caught in instrument conditions, and and maybe it's time to do a little bit of training if you're doing a lot of flying at night. It's nice to have those charts uh, because it does help you. It helps you as a, as a you know, just a VFR-only pilot to pull those charts out. Uh, there are just there's some obvious things on there, and it, and I also encourage people if you're flying a lot at night, yeah, just go get an instrument rating. It's it's a lot of fun, it's a challenge, and uh, you'll really really enjoy it. Well, gosh, guys, that's that's about all we had with those two topics there, ACS and also uh, you know the climb gradients and how how you know and how you can calculate your climb gradient. I know that was some some basic stuff there, but ACS I'm excited about. I know we're cheerleaders about it. Uh, we li- I'd like to hear from you, the listener about ACS and uh, write us. Let us know what your experience has been. Uh, we've been all hearing the positives here. So so maybe let's get some of the challenges. Let's let's talk a little bit more about the challenges that, that have come up uh, through ACS. I know they've done a great job preparing for it. Our picks of the week. Guys, let's move on to our next topic. And, of course, that's the picks of the week. Picks of the week. Uh, I'm going to go first because there is one that we're going to make another announcement about, I think, next episode, but it ties into my pick of the week. And that's actually a book. It's called The Advanced Guide to Holding Patterns. And I've the author of the book, Chris Pazala, he's actually he, – he wrote this really cool book. He also does a lot of seminars and uh, talking about holding patterns. Uh, if you think you know holding patterns, uh, you need to read his book because you, there's probably something in there you're going to learn. Uh, things like the unprotected side of the holding pattern uh, is an interesting term, and you'll find out in the book that you really shouldn't be using that term because it's it's uh, there is no such a thing. So I, I'm going to tease with that, but you'll learn some really neat things like how to enter holds, uh, uh, dealing with high wind situations while you're holding, and timing, and then he'll also go over the basics. A little tease on that too, and that's I'll have a link to that. There's, it's on Amazon. It's a printed book. It's really cool is that we also are just now, we just finished uh, completing the production of a video series, Advanced Holding Patterns. Uh, Both Chris and I put that together, and you will see that coming out probably next episode. Uh, Forward to that because it was a lot of fun to put together. It's really cool to get into something really geeky and really a lot of fun, but also something that's going to keep you safe. And and it was a blast to put together. So again, the Advanced Guide to Holding Patterns, the book, Check it out. Uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, if you really want to get to know holding patterns and you thought you knew holding patterns, this is the book for you because you really don't know as much as you think. And uh, he actually explains it there in, in some really, really uh, simple terms as to how to use a holding pattern, how to enter the holding patterns, and uh, and different things that can get you in trouble and how to avoid them. 
So that was my pick of the week against the advanced guide to holding patterns. So uh, let's see, Rick Felty, yeah. what is your pick of the week this week? Yeah, it's a it's a very simple little thing. It's a, a web camera at an airport in England that I found. <clears throat> I can't remember how I found it, but it's really pretty sweet. Um, the, the the airport is right on the coast in Brighton, England, and the oh, cool. uh, I'll send you the link. But it's um, flybrighton.com slash webcam and if you go there now of course it's uh, dark and although they have they have a they have an infrared you know night vision on but what's cool about it is it's right at the corner of an air of a runway looking straight down a runway and in the distance is um just beautiful hills and it's live you know all the time and every so often there i just i just go and watch you know planes take off i'm going to put a picture since it's dark now i'm going to drop a picture uh of the view into the chat you know so you guys can see um what oh, that, nice. it's just beautiful and it's and it's that just nice. and I, every so often i go there so anyway that that's it's a simple little thing but i love they've done a nice job positioning it occasionally they zoom it i think the picture you're looking at is zoomed down the runway if you go there live now you can actually see the full corner turn with a taxiway and uh yeah it's pretty sweet so, yeah flybrighton.com so go to england very nice every so often during the day <laughs> that's my I'm, pick i'm kind of curious looking at this angle you said it was zoomed in so that one's zoomed so you but oh, if you go okay. if you go to that link i sent you Mm-hmm. Right now, you'll see it at night. Um, it's dark. Well, but it, it's you'll see this. This is this is as zoomed out as it gets. The night view. Ah, so see. there's a corner, and the runway is. So the runway you're seeing zoomed in the one I sent. I just mean it. They, they look further down the runway sometimes, depending on the, the 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 pattern of the flights, and they vary that. I don't know why. I don't know who's running it, um, but it's pretty cool, and it's yeah, it's streaming you, very nicely. When you first brought it up, I was getting a little worried that they put it right on the runway. No, it's but it's pretty close. If you look yeah. at the night view, it's it's right there, and it, awesome. and it's beautiful. You know, so it's fun. A lot of fun. I haven't seen. I've seen airplanes coming at me, and and the cross. You know, it doesn't seem to be predominantly one way or the other in my little sample, but um, it's fun. And then when somebody's doing pattern, it's really fun. <laughs> I wonder, are there many of those in the U.S.? I'm curious now. I, I don't know. Have to research this. It's a great question. This I is love, awesome. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. I have to look that one up. Awesome. Anyway. Well, thanks, Rick. Yeah. So that kind of inspired me now to go check some of these out because that'd be fun just to sit if, and watch. Uh, if you find a bunch, up. we should build a list on the website because I think people would, enjoy, people would enjoy those. And you're right, I you know the airports I've flown in New England definitely not they don't have them. And I, my guess is it's a tricky thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. meaning yeah, the approval. I don't know who has to sign off on that, and and you got to stream it from an air from a something fairly remote to any buildings, right. like at least in the air, in, in the airport. You know, at Norwood, for instance, that I flew out a lot of, out of one, you know, the ends of the runways are, are that's a long run of wire right. and you're, and you, and you are probably running wire. So anyway, yeah, that'd be cool. Yes, definitely. That would be cool. So yeah. we'll have to check that out there. Ah. Um, uh, flybrighton.com and see if yeah. we can maybe get some more yeah. cam. Well, the, Russ just, Russ, do you know much about that link you just posted? Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and make it my pick of the week. If okay. Yeah. Okay, then we'll yeah, wait. Cool. Coming yeah. soon. Russ, Coming soon, the, and next, uh, the pick of the week is, Russ, what's, what's your pick of the week here? Okay, yeah, well, the, yeah, since we're on that, that topic and you guys were saying, hey, where can I find more of these uh, airport cameras? Uh, the state of Alaska actually has a ton of them, and I'm sure most people who fly in Alaska know about this, but they have, yeah, it's uh, it avcams.faa.gov, so it's an of, official kind of advi FRA, FAA advisory thing. They have web cameras that look out from the all these airports, and they, if you click on, you go to the website, you click on the airport, and it shows you a clear day view, you know what it looks like when it's clear, <laughs> and, oh, cool. and then uh, what it looks like right now. So I've got one up of Mount McKinley, which you can't see it now because there's some cloud cover, but uh, but on a clear day, it shows what it looks like, and and it shows how far away the the peaks are and how high they are, and really a lot of a lot of cool information. It looks like they actually have quite a few of these through Canada. Yeah, too. I just I was scrolling and and then it stops. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the yeah, United and then States. It stops. There, there's yeah. none in the, the continental U.S. No, there's one. In, there's the, one near the lower near, 48. There's one near so Detroit. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure what the deal is there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's totally not in the United States. Okay, yeah. we have to. We have well, to. Alaska still is part of the. United yeah, States. I, I'm sorry, contigu <laughs> contiguous United contiguous, States. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> Let me, um, but uh, yeah, pretty pretty neat website, and uh, you know, just fun to kind of cook around and see what the weather is like in uh, Juneau or Seward or something. That's great. Yeah, 
And, you know, Thanks. we I know people are going to mention this on Arrow Weather that we mentioned in another pick of the week. They're going to, a lot of people are going to say, well, there's webcams there, but all those webcams are around the city that surrounds the airport. It's not actually the airport. Right. But this is too cool. Uh, the one that you you did as your pick of the week, Russ. That's that's yeah, awesome, and the same cool. with yours. Yeah. So uh, get more people to write in with webcams. That that is so cool. I, I would sit there all day just watching that. <laughs> Put them up on the screen all day. <laughs> anyway, Victoria, what is your pick of the week this week? Um, mine is actually a pretty you know good one for right now. Summer is here, and it's getting hot, and you really need to be careful of your density altitude when um you land and depart, and so. I found this handy little app. It's called Density Altitude Calculator. And pretty much all you have to do is press this like GPS button and it'll use the location on your phone to pick the nearest airports or where you're at at the moment. And I can press Frederick here and it will automatically fill in the elevation, altimeter setting, temperature and all that stuff and calculate the density altitude for you. So it's just an another handy little tool, but um, definitely helpful, especially if you're at a high-altitude airport and it's a really hot, muggy day. So what was that website one more time? It's called Density Altitude Calculator. It's actually an app for Android. I'm not sure if it's on iPhone, but it's on the Google Store. Okay, cool. So Density Altitude. We'll we'll check that one out. That's, uh, That's always a good thing to know, especially now. It's summer, so get out your Density Altitude Calculator on your phone before you go and uh, obviously you might have it on your iPad there's so many different electronic devices there's probably five different ways to, to calculate that but that's cool thanks a lot for that pick of the week I really appreciate that um, uh, Tom what is your pick of the week yeah I was uh, playing around with some things and uh, you know um, I was on Sky Vector if you've never been on Sky Vector you gotta go there for the aeronautical charts and just all the information there if you have been and you haven't been there for a while they've kind of done a few upgrades on it uh, some better flight planning tools and things like that and you can file from it and um, you can get yourself a log into it and get a couple of extra bells and whistles but the thing that I wanted to bring up and something they've been showing on here is something they call DROTAMs and what they're doing is they're yeah and Sky Vector came up with the name uh, and they're drone NOTAMs and they're basically notices to airmen and showing you a little box where or, or a little circle on the on a sectional where there might be drone activity somebody that's been granted a section 333 exemption you know and they have a um, a drone tam the the closest one to me right now is uh, uh it's just uh, off of Sarasota a little northeast of Sarasota and it's from uh the surface to 400 feet above uh ground level it's valid for 19 hours and it's a UAS operating area and like i said they came up with this name but it was it was just another little level of information that i was getting and i know that we've talked about um you know, the use of um, unmanned vehicles and, and uh, you know, had discussions around that. And I just thought this was kind of a cool little extra piece of information, just avgeeky, if you will. That's cool. That's good information to know right there with a note to Mez for, uh, for that, uh, for, the, for the, or I guess you call them, uh, what do you call them again, DROTAM? Your DROTAM. Knowing where, where not to fly, especially if there's a lot of uh, drones in the area. You know what would be really cool is they also put laser light activity on there. So that's the next one. I want to see that one out there since uh, a lot of people are shining lasers lately. Uh, but this is a great one, Drote Tams. So thanks for that one. I appreciate that. Uh, let's see. Moving on to last uh, but not least, Larry, what is your pick of the week? Well, you know, a couple things here, Carl. Uh, first of all, you had sent out your pick of the week early in the show notes. And uh, so just before the show, I actually bought the book, uh, Advanced Guide to Holding Patterns. So I'm looking forward to reading that. <laughs> but my pick of the week is uh, a, a video a DVD called Weather for Dummies. Uh, and the website is www.4dummy.com. It's the number four and then D-U-M-M-Y.com. It's an aviation weather video course by uh, CFI and II uh, Radek Rizikowski, who's the founder of the IMC Club and now with EAA. Awesome. I got it. I got it in the mail the other day. I've just started into it. I haven't had a chance to finish it yet, but uh, so far it's a very good product. So again, that's a DVD course. It's a DVD. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, we'll have a link to that. Larry, you'll send us a link. Uh, and again, you can find all these links at uh, stuckmikeavcast.com. The after landing checklist. Well, guys, that's it. I think that we, we covered all of our picks of the week, and this has been a really good episode. We've learned a lot. 
Uh, we ran a little bit over, but I think there's some really good information there for you. Remember, Airman Certification Standards, it's live. We'll have links to everything. Remember the conversation with uh, Tom Frick, or excuse me, it was uh, not Tom Frick, Eric Crump. I know Tom was involved, but uh, Eric Crump, who uh, did a great explanation on ACS. He's out there lecturing uh, all over the place about ACS. So are a lot of people. We're really excited about it. We are definitely cheerleaders for this, but we'd love to hear your feedback on that. Also, some of the other things we talked about here, especially the webcams. I'd love to see more of those. If you have links, send them to us. We'd love to see more webcams and uh, try to get a whole section of our website possibly on that. If you want to find all these different uh, picks of the week, ones that we've done in the past, they're also on the website. That's duckmikeavcast.com. If you have any questions, you all have any comments or the stories like we just read, we'd love to hear from you. And go to contact at uh, stuckmikeavcast.com. You know, from myself and all the other co-hosts here, we love bringing this information to you. We love flying, as you can tell. And if you could, just remember one thing to go out there today and try to do something that will promote your aviation enthusiasm. You know, it, it may not be flying. You know, there's a lot of times you can't go flying. But get out there, check out some of these webcams, and have fun. Enjoy it, and we're going to talk to you next episode. Safe flying. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.